All right, so we have um, today's going to be just hear the verse a little bit from Mark. Um, we're going to still leave up with Pastor John left off. And um, there's some other scriptures I like to just to, you know, kind of have. Um, um, what's the word? Like 10, so marked. Marked. That's the word. So I was always so eloquent with words, right? You know, it's, that's my working dictionary. And everybody is too. So if I look there, I look there. All right. So we're going to have also, um, if you can mark uh, Philippians 3, verses uh, 7 through 10. We're also going to have Hebrews 11, verse 6. And our last scripture, well, as of now, uh, is going to be uh, Philippians. So yeah, that's it. Maybe some more I some in, but praise God, we'll go with God's leading. You know, the title of this message today is, Who Do You Say God Is? And it's so interesting in the times today, because you can't really say God anymore. And what I mean by that is, you can't just use the word God, because God will think, well, maybe your God is a tree, or your God is, uh, you know, you know, whoever, I don't know, it's just crazy today. The word God is just, you know, you have to be careful and say, I believe in the Trinitarian God. I have to, I believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit God, who sent His Son Jesus Christ to die for my sins, so that I can have eternal life. So, as I'm thinking this, it just wows me to say that you can't really say that word God anymore without it being confusing. Uh, confusing or easily misinterpreted. So I remind myself to constantly say, you know, it's the Trinitarian God is a God of two persons. And, and I encourage you to do the same. So who do you say your God is? Right? The song as we see sang this morning, which I love that song because that song reminds me who he says I am. And we can take that and and embrace it and enjoy it. And that's great because we need to know that we're a child of God. Because when we believe that, it comes the power and authority of Jesus Christ. But also, we must remember who He is. And our life is reflected. So as we look at this passage here, um, but before I even open that up, and I like to, I know we like to open up illustrations sometimes. And, and uh, and um, and I do like to do that sometimes, but I want to open with some with a couple of verses, and I'm just going to read it um, before we get into the scripture. So I like to open it with Hebrews um, chapter one, verses one to three. And it's just scripture. I know, you know, I slow start, it's like anything else, and you're going, right? The Holy Spirit takes over. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> amen. Do you, then, do so, you. He, amen. 
Yeah, I just said you have them. I was like, slow stuff. <laughs> All right, Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. So God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time, passed to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. His Son is appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, through whom he has made the worlds. Who being the brightness of his glory and the expressive and expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when we had when he had by himself cursed our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You cannot confuse who Jesus Christ is when you read that description. Who is God? Who do we say God is? Scripture is very clear. We just confuse Scripture. And we choose to do that. And we also look at John 4 to support that. John 1.14 And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. As we go into this passage here, as you, as you read this passage in Mark, I know it's based on healing. We, we know that we use that for healing a lot, and, and healing is the, you know, the, the thing that Jesus does a lot for certain reasons, which we'll get into. But look at it as see who God is through Jesus Christ as he's doing it, because that was the purpose of the healings. It's to show that he was God. So as we're reading it, visualize, picture yourself seeing these people are running to God to get healed. And remind yourself who your God is, who you say he is, as we read that. So in Mark 6, and it's a short passage, but you know, it's like, who are my brother? We were talking about everyone's getting sick and and you know, how we should be garlic, you know, cold garlic. And uh, it's so true because, you know, in such a small cold, there's so much antioxidants and healing properties and, and so forth. And it's the same with the word. I mean, it, you know, one scripture speaks, I mean, Jesus wept two words in the sentence, and that speaks, it, it, it speaks, you know, you can preach on that volume, that's it. Thank you, brother. <laughs> and you can preach on that in a whole you, you can preach on that every day for a year, probably. But here in this passage is chapter 6, verses uh, 53 to 55. We're going to see some things here in this passage also. And I'm going to show you as I teach this. The seminary is paying off, besides what some of you may think. <laughs> All right. And who's watching? You know who you're investing in me in seminary. It is paid off. I'm going to say some theological words here. It's going to make you say, okay, maybe he's getting it. At least he remembered the words. <laughs> so in this passage here, yes, we talk about healing, but we also will see uh, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. God's sovereignty, man's responsibility. 
We're also gonna see his omniscience. Here we go. His omniscience, I said it wrong. His omnipotence. And then his omnipresence. We're gonna see those three things as well. And what they are, basically, is his omniscience means that he's God's all knowing. And we're gonna see that here in this passage. Omnipresent means that God is everywhere. We're gonna see that in this passage. And then we're gonna see his power. I'm the poet. Let's see that here as well. Let's heal it. So, I just want to open you up and just kind of go with me, bear with me as I go through this passage. So, we'll start with 53. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. People make me say 20 times <laughs> to get it right. And anchored there. And in 54 reads, And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. 55. They ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about these beds and those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. And then 56 reads, wherever he entered into the village cities or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched them were made well. Thank you again, Father. I just pray your reading, Father, this time. You give all glory. So we know PJ told last week and then about the, the storm and everything. And we see here where God led them in 53, where they crossed over and God brought them to a place. And when they came out the boat, they immediately people recognized Jesus. So here they are, leaving one place, God sends them to another place, God sends them where they need to go, right? We see God as He's in control of the situation, right? He knows where he needed to send them. He knows where he needs to be, okay? Jesus is constantly in control of the situation because Jesus is walking as he's going through eventually to his crucifixion death. But in this time here, Jesus is showing that he knows where he needs to be, and where the wind and the storms blew the, the disciples, they need to be where they needed to be at, so that Jesus could do what he needed to do for whoever was there that needed to receive whatever healing that was necessary. We wonder in our lives sometimes where, why are things going a certain way? Why um, couldn't it be different? Why am I hurting now? Why am I going through this? I'm a believer now. Things are supposed to be different sometimes. Right? Right? <laughs> Amen? You know, we feel overwhelmed. Ministry, work, families, you know. But God has us in a certain place at a certain time for a specific reason. God's sovereignty. You know, those three things he mentions under the umbrella of God's sovereignty. God is always in control. And he always knows what he needs to do in our lives, specifically and individually. 
He needs to, he knows what he needs to do specifically in the individual in each and every one of our lives. So we get caught up and we think that in these times, and I'll speak for myself, and I know a lot of you will agree with it, Pastor John, because he doesn't do throwing out there. But <laughs> we want to tell God what we think, how we think it should go, or what should happen. I mean, society does it. We follow along, right? We follow what society says, a lot of us, and some do, some don't. I shouldn't say to everybody, but. But God knows what is necessary through Jesus Christ for each and every one of our lives to be in a certain place in a certain time so certain people can get healed. We all had our paths in our lives that led us in different directions. Even some of us who were raised in Christian homes, we still had some struggles. That wasn't perfect. That's the pastor's kids today, right? <laughs> You know, Billy you know, Graham's son for one, you know, he went back again, and left and came back, and, and now he's, you know, God's used to life, and Billy Graham left. Nothing's out of the control of God. Nothing. So when we're going through these circumstances and going through these times, who do we say God is when we try to tell him what we think should be happening or what we think should be done at that moment. But who do we really say who our God is when we do that? I love this picture because it's like God sitting there saying, listen, you may have done a couple things, but you know what? I created the universe. Who are you kidding? <clears throat> God created the universe. And then we want to tell, kind of dictate God on how he should respond to situations in our lives. No. You know, we go back in scripture and we see we go further. The people come running to uh, um, Jesus and, and they're bringing all these people, which is great. You know what? Because that shows a servanthood. I, tell you, I mean, a, a servant's heart for these people to go. Because that land there, you know, I was looking through it and the mass stuff. It's a small, beautiful land there. And, and that's so, yeah, this time, right? So, you know, and they're running to, to Jesus because they know Jesus went there and he landed there. And, and they're running, and they bring these people on their beds. The beds were literally like roll up mats. And they're carrying these people over because they knew who Jesus was. And the scripture doesn't say that they're all believers. They weren't all believers, scripture doesn't say that at all. But they're all running to Jesus and carrying each other so that when those are so they're running. So they carry all these people through through these fields to get to Jesus. I mean, it shows a great servant heart, but it shows that God's doing something in them. So through our times and through our struggles and and, and, and through these uh, situations in our lives, God is always doing something. But God has always created His heart, His servant heart, because. We know Mark, the book of Mark, I'll say Mark, the book of Mark reflects the servanthood of Christ. Christ came and died for us as a servant, so that we could have eternal life. So these people were running and bringing these people to, to God, they knew that God could heal, Jesus could heal them. They, saw, they weren't running to the Pharisees. You don't see that scripture they were running to the Pharisees to get healed. They knew Jesus could heal. They knew there was something about Jesus. 
we were all drawn, not all of us, well, I won't say not all of us, but we were drawn at one point in our life. God drew us to it. God brought us there. God drew these people because Jesus, we know that God wants everyone to be saved. Scripture tells us that. Scripture tells us that he wants everyone to be saved. Right? Luke 19.10, he came to save the lost, Jesus. He came to save, he wants everyone, right? For God so loved the world, he sent his only without son, whoever believes in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So he wants everyone to be saved. So he draws, so God's doing the work, he's doing, he's pulling it, he's, he's pushing it. And here we are, going through life sometimes, dictating, telling God what he should do in our circumstances. How dare we even attempt to do that? We think life, you know, ministries today, you know, certain ministries will use this passage as a healing ministry, you know what I mean? Well, it's faith, you know, we got faith, you know, people get healed. You know, huh? How, yeah, exactly. You know, it's faith is healed, healed, you know, you get healed, and, you know, you need the faith, and then dropping people on the floor. And, and I was hearing, by, not just playing on the and I heard it um, said before by um, a previous pastor, you know, they mentioned there used to be a, uh, it's not anymore, it's but there was a, like a million dollar bounty or something, a reward for anyone who ever was healed from one of these healing ministries, that if they stepped up, they would receive a million dollars. And no one ever received, no one ever claimed that money. Stemming from this healing ministries that's out there today. Because we don't see Jesus going around saying this is healing ministries. Jesus was healing for a specific purpose. Does Jesus want some healed? Absolutely. But the healing was to glorify God, not to glorify man. It's always going to be about God Amen. through Jesus Christ. Always. And when it's not, you got it wrong. We got it wrong. Because he's the God of the universe. Came down to Jesus Christ in human form to touch us, to meet us where we're at. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be circumstances in your life. It doesn't mean that things are, not going to, things are always going to go the way you think. Because they're not, because we can't even think straight at times. I, mean, I could probably count in my hand fingers how many good decisions I made in my life in 47 years. And I don't want to tell God why I think I should be going through it at this moment. But society does it. Society dictates God. Right? They want to tell God how he should respond. Culture, when I say society, I want culture, I mean, he, uh, today, you know, God has to be accepting of everything. We know that. I speak of that a lot because it drives me nuts. You know, the accepting part, the love only and nothing else. You know, we want to judge, you know, use example, you know, we want to judge, you know, when someone rapes and kills and murders and stuff like that, we tell judge, throw, throw away the key, throw him in prison for life, you know, put him in the electric chair. But when, it's, when we do something and it's God, God, you got to just love me. <laughs> just love me, God. There's no consequences, God. You're not a God of consequences, just love me. That's not the God I want. It's the consequences that taught me to change my life. It's the consequences that led me on a different path to lead me to God, through Jesus Christ. We should embrace the consequences when, when, when we are, and it's not an easy thing to say, believe me, I'm like, ugh. 
Jesus. But to embrace the consequences, to know that these consequences are meant to bring you closer to Christ. You know, um, here, you know, it says in, in, in verse, and I'm going, you know, I'm just going to go through this little so I know some of everybody will be upset if I just say that. My points are not, you know, is what it is. You know, as they touched them, they were made well. We know that not everyone's healed when they come to Christ. We all know people that haven't been healed. We know some that have happened healed. I'm talking about physical healings. Not everyone's healed. We see that in Scripture. Philippians 2, 25 to 30. Paul speaking in Philippi to, to um, Epaphroditus, saying, Yet I consider it necessary to send to you um, Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had, because you heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only to him, but on me also. So Paul's here talking about that. Paul's saying another. He's telling Timothy in First Timothy five twenty, drink vinegar because you're sick. He didn't say, listen, I'm going to hear you, come and touch me, let me hit you in the forehead, and before long you'll be healed. <laughs> he said, drink some vinegar, take some medicine. A little of us will think that doctors... But, <laughs> medication sometimes works, right? So, here's, he's telling him to take, drink vinegar. Okay? And then we have Galatians. Paul speaking again. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preach the gospel to you, at the first, and my trial was within my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. So Paul speaking about his sickness, and then, oh, of course we know about Paul's, you know, second Corinthians with the thorn in his flesh, right? He speaks of that. He speaks about the sickness he had. I mean, that's Paul. Why was he healed? That was Paul. What does he say, Paul, right? The scripture says is that he was given him that thorn. Whether it was allowed, you know, to God allowed it somehow, whether it was God himself or it was saved, but God allowed it. The same with Job, right? Job, look at Job. Job received the boils in his skin, and Job's life was very, 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 very painful. But God allowed it also. Because ultimately it was allowed because God uses it for his glory. We're going to go to Philippians, and I want you. To look at Philippians 3. As Paul's going through this, I mean, just, I, want, I really want to emphasize this point. Philippians 3, verses 7 through 10. Amen. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. This is Paul speaking. He's rejoicing in this. He's saying, praise the Lord, in so many words. I'm going with the praise the Lord. Because he knew that God's grace is sufficient, and he knew who his God is. Paul knew it. It's very clear in his writings who God is. His life reflected. His life reflected who he knew who God was. And in his words in scripture, we see that he knew who God was. Do we do that at times? Do we sound like Paul as we're going through these infirmities? As we're going through these struggles? Are we saying these things to God? Are we complaining and bickering? <clears throat> I speak for myself, me. I don't have point of fingers at all. This is where I came from. But do we sound like Paul? Because if we did, then we would honestly say we know who God is. You know, we need to bring ourselves back because we can get so caught up in the times and family and, and ministry and work and life and everything else that we forget who God is in our life circumstances. And we forget who God is. He created the universe. He's the reason why we're here today. He's the reason why we have eternal life. And that's through Jesus Christ. If the world believed it, you see a lot of poles running around. Things would be a little different, wouldn't it be? But we can't speak for that, we can speak for ourselves. We can speak for what we do, our responses and our actions. We can speak for our lives. You can live a convicted life or not. So I hope everyone was able to see the omniscience, you know, God in this passage. I've got knowing where he needed to be. He was able to see it and be there in Mark. His omnipresence, knowing that he knew where he needed to go. And we also see that his healing is there. And that's all in the sovereignty because he has the power to heal. But man's responsibility is there also. That's our second point. Man's responsibility, our responsibility. These people went to him to get healed, but they needed to reach out and touch his hand. That hand, what they're talking about there, just a little more, so you can, uh, you know, prove that seminary is doing something now. But, uh, was the robe and the tassels, you know, they reached out because the robes had the tassels represented the law and, and Jesus wore because it showed that he represented the law, that he was a fulfillment of the law. So these people reaching out to touch that. And not only that, you know, they also saw, you know, as we saw in the beginning of Mark, where, you know, the woman that was healed after many years of, uh, of bleeding, that she touched his garment. So, you know, a lot of things going on there. 
But these people had to reach out. They had to do their part. They had to go to Jesus where he was at. And then when they got there, they had to reach out and touch him. Our responsibility is not just to believe, but it's to respond. It's respond to God's love. Respond to God's calling in these tough circumstances or in these tough times. What do we do in these tough times? How do we respond in it? How do we show Christ-like uh, lives, Christ-like actions? Because that will reflect who we believe our God is. That will reflect who we believe God is. How do we respond in these tough times? There's always going to be tough times. And we're going to lead to sickness. There's always going to be sickness. People say today. But it's how we respond when we are sick. Meaning, in that troubled time. We need to do our part and reach out. I'm going to get into a theological debate because, you know, we all the different... Um, the different... Um, doctrines and stuff, but at the end of the day, God needs man. Man needs to do something to respond to it. God gives us that free will to make that choice. He didn't force these people to be healed. They came to him and he was able to heal them. These people couldn't do it on their own strength. They couldn't do it on their own capabilities. These people were drawn there, but they didn't do it on their own. Even if they weren't believers, they didn't do it on their own. I know when God was calling me in my life, you know, I knew something was giving me some type of desire through the life that I was living to reach out and want to know more about a God. I know what God, but I know I needed to know something about a God. I felt this tugging always in my life. Even when I was running the streets, I felt this tugging, this pulling towards God's gravitation of wanting to know. Acts 17, I'm just going to read it. God has said the boundaries for where we live in order that we would seek after him and find him though he is not far from us. God has set the boundaries, puts us in circumstances so that we can reach out to him. God allowed those people to be where they were at so they can reach out to God. <coughs> Jesus Christ. Psalm 78, 34. Whenever God slew them, they would seek him. They eagerly turned to him again. They would seek him. God uses circumstances to draw us to him. And that may be a sickness. But that sickness may be just not a physical sickness. We can, we can see so much more in that. Spiritual sickness. You know, when we're struggling spiritually, God allows us to be a circumstance so that we can draw closer to Him. So they can heal that. So they can fix that. 
Because it's a physical, it, it's not only a physical problem, it's also a spiritual battle. It, it is mostly, and I'm saying it is a spiritual battle. And it results in physical. But we see the truth in Scripture. How do I know this? How do I understand this? It's because I dig in Scripture to understand it. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Peter's word for it when he's up here. Don't take, you know, so-and-so pastor's word for it. It's so easy to get misdirected from all these different ministries out there, these different false gospels and false <coughs> teachings out there. You need to dig in and see the word for yourself and see the truth for yourself. So you can understand and see for yourself who your God really is and what he's doing in your life. Because you do have a calling. We all have an individual calling in our lives. But you're, you're gonna let it drip, you're gonna you're gonna miss let him drive by or miss by, whatever, miss the bus, however you want to say it. And you miss the opportunities that God has for you. And I'm saying they're gonna be great, you know, opportunities as the world would say great, or you know, maybe going out to get martyred for him. But I know, I remember reading Peter say he rejoiced that he was incarcerated, going to prison for the gospel. This guy say, wow, I was blessed that I was able to go to prison for the word of God. Could you imagine that? Imagine that joy he has, Peter. Romans 3, 10 and 11 says, there's no one righteous, no, not one. None of us did it on our own strength. None of us, even if you were born in a religious home, in a Christian home, and none of you were called, truly called to Christ because none of us are righteous, no, not one. None of us. Scripture says it clearly. There's no works you could have done to come to Christ without the Holy Spirit leading and doing some work in your life to bring him to you, to bring him, bring you to him. It's all God's work. So how privileged are you? How privileged are we? We sin, we fall, we do all this stuff. And Jesus, God, is always pursuing us through Jesus Christ. He sent his son to die for us anyway. He's drawing us to him. And he's doing everything possible for us. So that we can have that eternity. He's doing everything he can possible so that we can have that relationship with him. Outside of him just, okay, saying, all right, I'm going to hit you in the head and make you a Christian. He's doing everything he can so that you could come to God and experience the relationship he has for you, for me. And he uses these tough times, he uses his sicknesses. What you see here is that these people stop at the physical. It doesn't go any further. And I may be assuming it, but it doesn't say that people are healed spiritually, they're just healed physical. And we stop right there. Sometimes we just focus on the physical and we don't focus on the spiritual. And the physical is like putting a band-aid on it. You know, God, fix me real quick. You know, no. Break my heart. Help me get through this time. Because I know you're teaching me something in this. You're showing me something in this. Because this is your glory. And I'm just the vessel you're using. 
our lives are not our own. And I don't know how the church has lost it. And, uh, I don't know. It's not about us. Our lives are not about us. It's about Him. But knowing that and living that, we reap the rewards of it. Whatever that may be. But if we know that we died this moment, this very second, if there was a hurricane or whatever happens in Florida, we go, we know we're going to be eternally, eternity, for eternity. I made something. No, I didn't make something. Well, I kind of did. So, can tell anyone tell me what this is? That's my son, right? Anyone know what this is? Really? You guys can see it in the fishing boat? No. Oh, pretty good. Yeah, it is. Not But it is. Alright? So I'll talk to Belly Friend this morning. But no, we didn't have Belly. We made it out of wood. Alright? So this is cool fishing boat I put together. Cool fishing boat. Wish I wasn't using it because I'm a little embarrassed of it. It's just like a little cheesy illustration, but whatever, right? So I'm going away, you know, go hard and go home, right? So, <laughs> so here we have a fishing boat. He's saying fishing, fishing, and he puts things in front of us. Whatever it is, this is a little elephant. I don't want to put the dolphin back there because that's only would have cried, you know. <laughs> okay, so I got a little elephant here. But, you know, this is a fishing pole, and Satan's using this fishing pole, and he's fishing in front of you. And he's putting his bait in front of us. So when we're at this point, it's like them right there, you know, they got healed, and that was good enough, but physical. But they lost the whole aspect of the spiritual, the eternity. They lost that aspect of it. And we allow Satan to dangle these things in front of us, and we're reaching out for it, you know, like that fish. We want to reach for that because we want to eat it. And then we forget what God is doing. And then we forget who God is. Because we allow Satan to tempt us and to tease us with this. You know those other ones that, you know, put the little ball into the water? I'm going to try and have some fishing. Just my older brother took me. So he's taking fishing all the time. But um, we allow to get tempted with this. You know, we allow Satan to tempt us and take our eyes off of God. And it happens that fast. Who are we kidding, right? It happens that fast. And then we lose the spiritual aspect of it. And we lose the focus of it. And we lose it. We forget why God is, you know, who God is. And then we start telling God what we think we should do and what should happen. And then we start telling God um, that we know better and what we should think, and what we should have, and what we should do, what we think. And so on and so on. We all know the story. And it's pretty sad because I know every single person has experienced a miracle in our life. You know, I get angry at that. You know, when luck comes out of his mouth, I say, There's no luck. When we're a child of God, that, that word is not in our vocabulary. God is not a God of luck. luck. He's a sovereign God. God is encompassed with all these things that He can't even comprehend, I mean, a, a fraction of, of whatever. Hebrews 11.6 It is impossible to please God because without faith 
For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those that seek him. It goes back to our responsibility and our faith. God gives us tools to have that faith. Once we have that faith in him, and we reap the rewards that God has for us. Whatever that may be. Like I said, they may be sent to South Africa and get a martyr. <laughs> I know, whoa, right? But you do it for the glory of God. I don't say you want to go out and get killed, but what I'm saying is, is that we rejoice in all things because at the end of the day, God is deserving of all things, all glory. And at the end of the day, God has blessed us with eternity. And this is just a gas station. We just stop it through and fill it up. You can good gas or bad gas. It's up to you. I like cheap gas. Well, <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? This is, we're, we're just stopping through. I know... Um, I know someone that... Um, that grew up, you know, grew up in New York, and I said New York, right? Like coffee. Like, I don't know how to use that, right? You know, he grew up where, you know, his, you know, he grew up parents broken home, and and his, uh, you know, it's typical as normal. You know, everyone thinks it's normal. You know, when you grew up that way, and. You know, his mother was working, so his father not around, and so he's out in the streets all the time trying to find significance, right? Trying to find where you belong, because you don't have God, and you don't have your father figures, so you're trying to find your way. And um, he follows along with models, you know. His mother has, you know, tries her best, but, you know, she's not raising them biblically, so, you know, they get lost. They get lost. And... Um, you know, you know, his, the person that used to watch, you know, the babysitter used to take him out to, you know, rob and steal both of people's, you know, rob homes. You know, 11, 12 years old. And he started living out a lifestyle of thinking this is the norm. You know, he's getting mentored by this, you know, this guy who does these things. He's going to climb through windows, and wow, he's fascinated by it because he's got some money, you know, and he's able to, you know, throw some jewelry on and look like he's hip in those days, and like he's the man, you know, and for a little life, I mean, that time she's busy running around going through people's windows, stealing people's properties, because it's what he's being mentioned. And then he grows up. He finds his way to street gangs in New York, and he's, you know, he's all in, encompassed in that, and and, uh, you know, he's loving, you know, the fighting, the shooting, you know, all this stuff, you know, the, the thrill of it all, you know, I mean, the selling the drugs and, and the womanizing, you know, and, and he's loving this, you know, it's a typical, you know, um, well, it's typical one up there, I mean, you think when you're involved in it. So he's going through it, you know, then he ends up, you know, leaving, um, God's drawing him and trying to pull him, and he's explaining this. And he goes in the military and he tried to find his way. He did go in the military, got out of the discharge. 
So then he went back to what he was familiar with and he got sucked into it again. He started selling drugs again, hustling and all this stuff. You know what he was used to, organizing all this stuff. He ends up incarcerated, he ends up in prison for a few years, you know, gets out, you know, found Jesus in prison, you know, typical found Jesus in prison, right? And then he's on fire, he gets out, he goes back to the same lifestyle, and then he loses, you know, then he forgets, you know, who his God was, and then he got involved in the same stuff again. And then he goes on to, you know what, looking for opportunities, where Satan is really good at presenting these opportunities and make him look really good. He's dangling that fish in front of you. You know? At that point, that person needed spiritual healing, but that person didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to experience it because he was too busy focusing on the physical. So Satan's dangling this, this lifestyle in front of him, and he's mentioned, he's taught, and he's making millions now. This guy's really bald. He always bald. He's dead bald. <laughs> this guy's running around, you know, and he's throwing money in the air, and like, you don't care, you know. And, He's like, yeah. And then he's going on to life, and, and then um, he goes through, you know, he gets married, and he gets incarcerated again for his past experience, because they always follow you, right? They always follow, you know, you think you always get away, but eventually follow, and God's always doing something in this. You know, some would say, wow, you know, that, that dummy, or, or the choices he made, yeah, he did make a lot of bad choices, but God was using those choices to steer him in a certain direction. So then he got incarcerated again for his past choices, and then once he got incarcerated again, then he understood, you know what, I remember what I learned back then when I was incarcerated the first time, and you know, I was kind of playing this Christian role, but I wasn't really a Christian, but now I understand what a Christian is. I understand that it's not just about saying, it's about doing and living it and believing it. A life reflecting what you believe. So he gets out, he's on fire, you know, and he really understands that now. But he was on temporary because he was away, he was out on um, bail for a few years. And then he goes away another time. And then when he gets out, now he's nothing. His wife leaves, he's left with nothing. From, you know, rags and riches to nothing. That's what he receives. He perceives it to be it's like what happened. But he still kept, he understood that whatever it was at this point, God was still doing something. The healing was still happening. He couldn't see it at all times, but he was able to see it a lot of the times. So he gets out, he's trying to figure things out, and then, you know, and of course, he, he's looking, he has support from people that he loves, right? and God puts him in another situation because he was just saying, you know what, I'm going to stay obedient to God and trust that God is doing something in his life, in this moment, whatever it is, it's hard, it's tough, and I don't get it, and I don't need to get everything that God is doing, I just need to be accepting and keep moving forward and stay obedient. So as he did that, you know, he, he moved on, he's working back where he was, he met someone, he got married, 
Valentine's Day. And I like to say my wife is here now, but she ran out because she didn't know I did some of these things in the past. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's familiar with it. But I'm married now. I have a family now. And my son is here with me on that. And then I have also three other children from her side. So they're blended family. And it's all because God was doing something in my poor choices and my healings, I mean, in my sickness. But it was also those people praying for me and carrying me. They served. They served. They carried me. The people who used to try to speak to me about Christ when I was younger. I know they were praying for me. And they brought me all the way to the cross. But I had to do my responsibility to accept and receive what God was doing in my life. To where now, I'm just like, what happened? Like, how did this end up this way? Like, and now I'm saying the bad way in a good way, like, wow. I'm still alive. Because I'm one of those guys who used to watch, I don't know, like Scarface the movie, I don't want to encourage anyone to watch it. It's not a movie. But I was like, I'm, I'm going to go out, you know, about 25, I'm, I hope to go out, I go out that way. You know, floating in the, in my, in my own, you know, little pool in my lobby, and they got bullets landing in me, you know? And I don't think that's the way to go. And it's that same tricking you. So what the point is is that healing comes in different ways. Healing doesn't stop just at a physical, it goes far beyond that spiritual. So where your life reflects what you believe. We're not talking about perfect, because I'm far from that. Believe me, there's so much work that needs to be done. I, I mean I can tell you that. I'm not denying it. But God is still doing and doing and doing to where I'm even standing here today preaching like, oh God. Like we're asking us, so Dean Frank is like, what are you doing? Why am I in seminary? <laughs> I don't want, I'm not that old. I'm work. I can barely put a sentence together, and I have to learn how to write papers. You know, but I mean, you know, God knew that I could get A's and B's, and, you know, and it's like crazy. But at the end of the day, God is doing something in our lives, in each one of our lives. And how are we doing to respond to it to say that we know who our God is? Because I do know who my God is, without a doubt. There's no question in mind who he is through Jesus Christ. That healing doesn't stop there. It's a spiritual healing. And everyone can experience and live that out here today, if you haven't or you're not. You know, Pastor John is going to come up and kind of, you know, do what he does and, and, and explain a little more about the gospel and present the opportunity. But if anyone hasn't received the gift that God, that, that PJ, that, that we see in Scripture, but I tell you, what are you waiting for? Because God draws you to Him, and He has you here for a purpose and a reason. Embrace Him and experience it. It's not going to be easy, not going to be a joy ride, but it's well worth it. I have to tell you that in 
Anthony and Melissa were at City Hall. I played their wedding song, the theme song from the Brady Bunch. <laughs> it, was so, it was so cool. <laughs> um, one of the things that Anthony and I talked about last night as he was preparing this passage. And uh, amen, right? Amen. The book of Mark tells us a story of four men that take a paralyzed friend to the feet of Jesus. And what the friends are expecting and anticipating is that Jesus is just going to say, get up and walk. All right, that's the show that everybody's anticipating, but Jesus kind of throws everybody, uh, he throws them off, because what he does first is he says, okay, your sins are forgiven you. That's the spiritual healing that Anthony was referring to, and that's the most important. Now, in the passage, what happens is this, is that after he heals the man, after he gives the man forgiveness of sins, of course he tells the man, take up your mat and walk. But here's the thing. Even though that man is able to um, get up and walk, he's still going to take his last breath on this planet. And so the most important healing that we can receive is the spiritual healing. And that comes with getting right with God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. And that's available to anyone that hears the message and responds to it. So you walked in the room today and you said, you know what, I really hope that I'm going to heaven. We don't have to hope. We know that we know that we know because it's not based on us. If you take a look at the stories of the guys in this church and the gals in this church and the pastor of this church, all right, our entrance to heaven, we are glad to say that it's not based on our own efforts. It is based off of what Jesus did on the cross and only what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And if you haven't received that as the truth of your life, what we're going to do right now, just for the sake of time, I'm going to have everybody bow their head and close their eyes. And if you've never received the gift of eternal life, it is an open invitation to anyone that repents of their sins and accepts Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life. And that, if that's you today, and you say, you know what, I came in here and I, I hope I go to heaven. No, we don't have to hope. All right, we could know. But that comes with relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to say a prayer out loud right now. And if you want to receive Christ as your Savior, and you want to begin the life that he has for you now, then I'm going to ask that you repeat this prayer after me. Dear Father in heaven, I am a sinner, and I need a Savior. Please forgive me of my sins, past, present, future, forever. Be the Lord of my life, and the love of my life. In Jesus' name. Please keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. If anybody said that prayer today, would you please raise your hand? Anybody said that prayer? All right, we have one man that said that prayer today, and this message was just for you. If you would have been the only one that came into the church today, he came for the one, and he never leaves the one behind. Never. So we're going to talk to you after service, and we're going to get you some uh, things to help you with your walk. But let's uh, let's just thank God for what he did here today. Thank you for speaking to us, Lord. Thank you for your love for us. And we just pray, Father, um, that if ever we forget who you are, we go right back to your word, right uh, with your people, right to our faces, and uh, we are reminded 
we are reminded that we are children of the one true King. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <laughs>